welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer with Gene Galvin and me, I am Maria Corelli. We are recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience here in Folk School Coffee Parlor of Ludlow, Kentucky. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Springer! Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were here. Thank you. Oh, I was just uh, sitting here studying, but okay. Hey, we've got, uh, we brought them back. They were on last week's show, a musical group from Winchester, Kentucky called The Wine Tree. Oh, they're harmony. They are. So we excited. asked them to, to come back, and uh, we're also going to ask Jerry uh, in a few minutes uh, a question about uh, President Trump. His name often comes up in Jerry's uh, comments <laughs> that he makes, uh, but the guy just seems to be, to me, off so often an embarrassment. And Anyway, we'll probe that here in a minute. Yeah. Uh, I, I was trying to remember how this came about, but I saw a music video, Maria Corelli. Now, Maria Corelli, our third voice here on the podcast. And, you know, I'm always introducing, reintroducing Maria. I want to make sure people know we're really lucky to have her as one of our co-hosts. And for a lot of reasons, she's just a wonderful young woman. I don't want to be the only good-looking person. Yeah, right. (laughs) Really fun to hang around with. but she's a very talented singer-songwriter, and she performs sometimes solo, sometimes with a group, and a uh, very good songwriter. And I saw this music video called The Strings of My Guitar, which I was reminded is the name song. of your album that yeah. you have out. Yeah. And it's a song that you wrote, and it is just good writing. I, I'm an wow. old English teacher, so I, I'm into poetry Thanks, and Gene. songs or poems, and that's a good one where you talk about uh, my memory is it's kind of to a guy maybe or mm-hmm. so and I like this about you and like that but yeah. really it's all about the strings of my guitar that yeah, that's the- what really touches me <laughs> is my music sure. and, uh, and yeah reoccurring line is uh, but you'll never be the strings on my guitar yeah actually I have a really funny story about that yeah I- yeah what is it um, the, the music video was released to that song um, earlier this summer, and I live above, so where I live, my landlord owns the store. Here in Ludlow, store. Kentucky. Yeah, here in Ludlow. Uh, my landlord owns the store beneath it. Okay. Um, so he'll kind of, you know, whenever we pass each other, yeah. he'll, he'll say certain things about my music, or, you know, we'll kind of keep up with each other there. He'll be yeah. like, oh, I saw you doing this or this. And he saw the music video, and he goes, you know, he was he was mowing mowing the lawn like, kind of over uh, a few yards away from me, and so he's like kind of yelling over to me, and he goes, Maria, love that song. What's it called? Uh, I love my guitar more than I love my boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. I was like, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know that that is. Hmm. That's good writing, in my opinion. That is really good writing, too. Because you, I suspect if you're going to write a poem or write a song and you're thinking of ways to say things about, in your case, a woman, about a guy, and there's only so much, it, so many things have been said, <laughs> to say that, and it rings true to a lot of people, yeah. to a lot of performers, That's never I been said to me. No. <laughs> but one's music 
if that's your passion, yeah, that, yeah. that yeah. Honestly, it was very well. I remember because you, you performed it here about a year and a half ago. Did you, did and you I do that? I remember telling you that was like my favorite song. Oh, and then you, no, seriously, I remember saying that. And then you came back a year later and yeah, actually made an album with it. So, um, that is it's good writing Thanks. and it, it makes me also want to ask. Whispering Beard is coming up. Yeah. In fact, let's put Whispering Beard into a context. It's a festival that's been going on for years. Mm-hmm. It's not that you run it, but you've been part of it some other times. Mm-hmm. And it's happening now. They moved it from Friendship, Indiana to Cincinnati, Ohio. So they've gone from a town that has hundreds of people to a city that has greater Cincinnati, you know, runs up to a million people, depending mm-hmm. on how far out you want to go. So it's a big deal that it's coming, Whispering Beard Folk Festival, now to Cincinnati. The dates are, do you know, Maria, and Catfish is here? Um, starting August 22nd, so it goes through that weekend. Okay, Whoa. August yeah. 22nd. And you are on the bill. You are going to perform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe I'm kicking the, kicking the thing off on August 22nd, along with some uh, also incredible artists. I think it, it goes Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, and... Uh, well, no, wait a minute, because the Jerry Springer Trio has been told that they're performing on Sunday. Sunday, too. <laughs> oh. Did you like that? Because <laughs> that throws me, because I, what I'm now picturing is we're up there we singing, and the bands are pulling out with all the stage yeah. equipment. Well, well, it's better that they pull out before we start singing <laughs> or, than while we're singing. Yeah. That would be... No, I'm not going to be... Able, so Sunday, there is no... Festival, and that's when you booked us. That's correct. Well, don't look at Maria. That <laughs> was catfish over here. Thank hey, you so uh, much. I'm not Dan, Gail. <laughs> hey, um, but I can't make it. Can, are you out of town on those dates, by the way? Actually, I really am. I'm in. Uh, I'm in Scotland doing. There's the Fringe Festival. You ever hear the Fringe? Sure. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and every year they have a speaker at it. That's wow. where Jerry Springer the Opera first came out in the. About 15 years ago. Anyway, so I've been invited this year to speak there at the uh, to be the oh, speaker. So you're not gonna? I'll uh, be in Scotland in my kilt. <laughs> I will be at the Whispering Beard Folk Festival. Yes. I'm really looking forward to it. That oh sure, don't come to Scotland. To, no, <laughs> that they're bringing it to Cincinnati and really putting it in a at Smale Park. Beautiful. Yes. For those listening, and most of our listeners are outside of Cincinnati. It's a beautiful Ohio Riverfront Park. Spectacular. It is worth it. It is worth it. It's wonderful. The backdrop of the Ohio River and it's great. um, It's great. And I'll look forward to hearing you perform. A quick question to you though, as a songwriter, and and we heard uh, the Wine Tree sang last week on our podcast. We brought them back again this week, and they Mm -hmm. did a song called Kentucky, beautiful, which was wonderful harmonies and the presentation of it musically, but really good writing too. These mm-hmm. images about Kentucky and anybody who is from Kentucky, mm-hmm. as you and I are, and Jerry's uh, wife has deep roots in Kentucky. It's a beautiful state, pastoral, it's beautiful, green. Mm-hmm. Got some crazy history. That their song mm-hmm. references cigarette smoking, which in ni- 2019 people say well, science has proven will kill you. So, <laughs> but nonetheless, it's got deep roots in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Gunshots at night. One of the s- lines of their song. Snow angels out in the field. You can, it's imagery, right? Beautiful, you yeah. can picture it. It's poetry. So when you write, how do you, just real briefly, how do you do it? What's your process? Yeah, I mean, I, that's a great question because I love hearing, of course, everyone has their own process. Right. So I have 
kind of what I do is it's a lot of um, it's a lot of like thinking about the song even before the guitar is in my hands. You know, like I'll do a lot of a writing while I'm driving, which is why I think I like driving a lot. I'm in the right. I've made and, the right and that's career very choice. Very safe. It's a very <laughs> safe. Particularly when with one hand you're holding the pad and the other hand you're writing. Or are you and playing... using your elbows to steer? <laughs> well, I was picturing you playing the guitar while you were driving. Well, also. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because I'll like turn my like on my iPhone. I have like the voice memos app open. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And I'll just like sing something oh. into it. Really? Or, oh. or sometimes you know it's either that or like it's very much stream of conscious until something like latches. It's like a it's like a river flowing by, and then I kind of catch some stuff out of the river, and then and then you start to realize that you're like building this thing. And and sometimes even the song takes you in a certain way too. It's like, oh, this is what I was trying to say all along. You start somewhere and then you end somewhere else. It's yeah. like a puzzle. I think we were talking about this too. Yeah. You know, it's like I love doing crosswords and stuff like that. And in a way, it in a way it is like a puzzle. You get to yep. you get to pick and choose. And and by the way, when I studied and I, I, did, I was an English major at Xavier University back in the day. And one of my professors, maybe the best one that I had in this area of poetry, mm -hmm. said, great poems are great puzzles. They're not obvious right away. They mm -hmm. have to be explicated to be made explicit, to mm -hmm. go through sometimes word by word to figure out what was he or she, what is he or she actually saying. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I think good poems, good songs are really good puzzles where when you're done, you're like, wait a minute, now I get what that was about. Yeah. But you have to put sometimes a little bit into it. Sure. Um, and not everyone has the same, you know, process. I'm sure some people are totally different. Some people might be able to, like, write an entire song, sit down and just write an entire song, but that's definitely not me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it'll, sometimes it takes a year. There's one right now I've been working on for a year. Wow. Been that's revising. interesting. And one last question on this. Is it because sometimes writers will say, ah, that wrote itself. It yeah. just comes so fast. It just yeah. was in there and it was dormant, hidden, and it just rolls out. And mm -hmm. some you have to really work at to get it out. Mm -hmm. Do you have you had it both ways? And is one yeah for one sure yield better than another? Or the yeah, one? it and it all depends on like okay. on where you are mentally too. I think sometimes inspiration hits a little harder, and 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 a song comes right out. Or sometimes, as I mentioned, it takes like a year to write a song. Yeah. You Which, can hear the I'm, evolution of that strings on my guitar on the Jerry Springer radio <laughs> because you've played it a few it. times. Oh. So the first time it was Ooh. slower and more emotional. And then it, the last version is like all sped up and perky. <laughs> and I did not even know that. That's awesome. David, promo that. We have, we have a running kind of loop on our website, jerryspringer.com, right? Yeah, jerryspringer.com. And you click on the button that says uh, Jerry Springer Radio. And it's all mm. of our performers. Yeah, over 300 looping. songs. Yeah, it's very cool. So if you're at work or something or going to sleep at night, whatever, and you want to hear something, uh, what's unique about Jerry Springer Radio is it's all our performers. Mm -hmm. Well, one more thing on that. The only thing I can relate to is like writing a commentary or something like that. Sure. I always think sometimes I can't write fast enough. Yeah. Because I think... And it's, is it the same with music? Any emotion you have is already in you. Yeah. So it's just a matter of 
something sparks that part of the brain to put in that notion and that in other words it's almost like you're not inventing anything no the feelings and the perceptions you have you have just by walking through life every day yeah and then as you sit down and start to write this emotion suddenly hits so you write that and then suddenly another emotion hits or another feeling or whatever it just i think that's what people mean when they say it writes itself yeah it's because yeah. if you think about it you're not creating a new emotion Everything you wrote was, for example, the strings of the guitar. You had those feelings before you wrote the song. Mm -hmm. So it's just a matter of Getting digging into you. Yeah, what, extracting what, it. Right, and then putting the structure together. But yeah. it's all there ahead of time. It's what you call the river flowing by and you're grabbing things. Yeah. It's all, would you agree, both Jerry and Maria, and I always learned this and heard this, is that writing, if someone says, I want to be a writer, the quickest thing you have to say to that person is, and you've got to go do a lot of living because, and, and reading, and ex, but it's really experiences. All the Woody Guthrie, out of folk music, mm -hmm. just started getting on trains. And all of his songs, almost, and maybe all of his songs, pulled from those life experiences. And so you've got to go out and live. And the more you live, then the more that stuff is in your pool, yeah. Jerry. Yeah. That, that's the river going by, and you're grabbing these things from your experiences. So it yeah. isn't just imagination. It's also it's just... right about something you know. And what you know yeah. is what you've experienced. Well, and it's interesting. A lot of times after the podcast, I'll go yeah. home and I'll start writing. Because, really? Because we're inspirational. <laughs> well, <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> no, I yeah. mean, we have incredible artists. I mean, and, and as yeah. like David mentioned... Oh, you mean them. <laughs> You know, you can, we, we're so lucky to, to hear this music every time that we put this on yeah, and, yeah. and I go home and I'm like, okay, now it's time to crank some awesome songs out. That's good. <laughs> and one other thing I've been noticing about your music, just a last thing here is that musically you sound to me like you're pulling in more country feel, mm -hmm. cow, almost cowgirl, cowboy stuff. Are you? <laughs> Yeah. Do, do you think that? Definitely recently, I've in the past few years, I've I've been way more influenced by country. It's so funny because I've ne like n none of my parents listen to country yeah. uh, and uh, didn't grow up on it. But a lot That's of the, a lot of the folks in the scene are 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 pretty influenced by it. So I've gotten to uh, get inspired as well. I like it a lot for yeah. what it's worth. Just one, give you feedback from one person, but I'm really Thanks. liking the sound of what you're writing. Cause we've been, you, I, we've known you for four or five years. That's all not, not 10 years or more, but it's in the context of the podcast. Yeah. And I heard you early on in that process and your music sounds a little different and you, you sound, and you're more mature by the way, and how you're, singing and maybe writing and mm -hmm. that's the way it goes that's mm -hmm. what you would expect sure so we're big fans maria Aww. keep doing what you're doing you guys are so sweet thank now you it's yep. uh we're very happy to have you with us and we're big fans of your art happy well, to be a part of so. it maria corelli yeah. tonight was her uh, last night commit. on our show no no <laughs> Uh, how how much are your albums? Good sorry. Oh yeah, you can yeah, get those right here yeah. at Folk School, Ludlow, Kentucky. Yep, they go for twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Ten. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, can people buy them 
physical copy or also download it digitally or yeah. not? So how, how do they do get, that? You can get physical copies online on my website. Which you is can, what? Uh, MariaCorelliMusic.com. Spell Maria Corelli. Um, Marie, M-A-R-I-A, and then C-A-R-R-E-L-L-I. So okay, MariaCorelliMusic.com. Maria Corelli but, um, you know, you can download download it as well as on any music platform. And, okay, perfect. Yeah, go so listen we, to it on good. Spotify and such. We're, and, and it says last thing, but the strings of on my guitar, uh, when I heard that again, because I've heard it before, yeah. I thought, man, now that song is worthy of being covered by yeah. somebody, by a, you know, a prominent, yeah. you are prominent, but there are people who are even more prominent, sure. national stars. And I always kind of wonder, and we're not going to figure this out tonight, how do you get something moved from you to be known? Sometimes it's just luck, isn't it? I don't know. It? When you figure it out, you can tell me. <laughs> you know what we ought to do? We ought to take advantage of Jerry Springer, and I'll, I'll chat with him about this, as to whether there's somebody he could get that song to just because he has a name. What you and should do... And I, I know this is part of how it works, is you go down to Nashville, and at night you go to the local bars there, and at the local bars there on, I'm drawing a blank, the name of the Broad, street. Broadway. But these major stars, many of whom have homes around there, they just come in one night, have a drink, then mm. get up to the mic, and they sing, and you meet them. And you just say, here, just listen to this, and if you like it, give me a call. And that's the hard sell, is to get them. And just go into the bar. Honestly, it is, you know, everyone's going through a million agents and all that. No, mm. you just meet the person. Yeah. You're friendly. Just meet them. They'll talk to you. Yeah. They're sitting know, up there and then they play a few songs and then they go down, they sit at the table and have a few drinks and fans are coming up maybe. Ask, although there they kind of don't ask for autographs because that's where they all live. It's like, hmm. but you just go up there and say, if you could just listen to this and if you like it, give me a call. And, you know, <laughs> the hard you know, part is you sing so something many, like this. So many people yeah. are saying to them, you know, please listen to this and they get that. And it may be that that's the best shot. I'm thinking of the song City of New Orleans. Yeah. Phenomenal song. Songwriter yeah. whose name escapes me died not too long after he wrote it. And he went through that process. And he got, he somehow asked Arlo Guthrie, or somebody asked yeah. Arlo Guthrie, well, you got to listen to this. And Arlo's like, dude, I'm, everybody's asking me to listen to all these songs. And he did listen to it, and he pretty quickly turned it into a record. Yeah. And, and you're right. If you can get somebody, what we were thinking is you would get somebody. To to <laughs> All right, I'll sing it. That's what we were <laughs> this, is, this is actually how my, that album I had. Yeah. Uh, Pretty damn good. America. It yeah. Was called, yeah, it was called America. I don't know where we have it, but anyway. Uh, well, I can tell you where you have it. You got in about your basement, eight, eight car, crates of them in my garage. In. Oh yeah, we in used my to garage. Sing you got it. a one-car garage on I the got campaign trail. We sang yeah, America. That's true. That's right. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> it, it, that, that's it happened at a bar like that, and yeah. I just got up to sing with a band. You know, just because of the TV, they said, "Come on up here," and I just sang a couple of songs with them. 
and a producer came up to me afterwards. Guy, I'd never, just some guy came up. He says, look, I produce albums. I think it'd be a great idea for you to do a novelty album. In other words, he recognized... That's how that came about. Exactly. That's interesting. Oh, what was his... Um, I forget his... But anyway, he came up and he said, sure enough, two weeks later, he called me. <laughs> but Jerry... And we cut an album. You're yeah. also Jerry Springer. Well, no, yeah, but yeah. I'm saying... <laughs> what I'm saying is these people go... So many of these singers would love to have a song. Mm-hmm. It's different. It's not you going up there and saying... Can you record me? Because there are thousand, million people have good voices. Mm-hmm. It's the writing that is separate. And yeah. they're looking. Believe me, these things, you know, they're always worried about where's my next song going to come from? Where, mm-hmm. you know, so figure out whose style is your singing. Yeah. And that's the person. And I would think you go up to a woman, find a, you know, and just say, are you looking for some material? Just listen to this. Yeah. And they're looking for the song. That, that's the difference. No, if you're, I totally agree with you. If you're going there and say, I want to be a star, can I get up there and sing, and someone signed me to a contract, that happens or it doesn't happen, and who knows how that happens. <laughs> but writing, that's magic. Yeah. They all want that. The top singers in the country want that. They're constantly getting... Music, but they're listening to it. It's their field. Mm-hmm. One could slip through the cracks. We'll work on Go that. Go to Dolly Better Parton. Because it, it yeah. would be cool if we could somehow. Oh my gosh, Dolly Parton or Amy Lou Harris singing either oh, of those songs. That would be incredible. <laughs> yeah, but why yeah, not? We'll, we'll circle back to it. And you, maybe you and I will meet down here. And, yeah. and at the end of the day, we're going to try to exploit Jerry Springer's celebrity to try to get this thing <laughs> move forward. But we don't Perfect. need him. I can get you into court. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. By the way, Judge Jerry debuts mid-September? September 9th. Yeah. Monday, across- September 9th. All across the country, so be sure to watch that. And uh, we wanted to ask you this question, Jerry, and, and this is subjective on my part, but I, and I admittedly I'm a liberal Democrat, but I feel that my president, President Donald Trump, so often, in fact, it happens so often that I get desensitized to it. I was like, dude, he just embarrasses me. Things that he does, things that he says, attitudes that he has. It happens almost daily. And I ask you, how can he be that way to at least so many of us and still hold on to these, I don't know, let's just round it off to about 40% of American voters? Yeah. He, uh, well, he does that. And, you know, we all talk about the solid 40% that he has. Um, The hopeful news is not just hopeful. We know that most Americans share our view that he has no business being president. And then again, uh, in the last election, as I keep reminding us, that uh, he got thoroughly beaten by Hillary Clinton by 3 million votes. Now wasn't the Electoral College, but it was most Americans who voted, voted by three million votes more for Hillary Clinton rather than, than uh, Donald Trump. So it's not like, oh, what was America doing? We knew what we were doing, and that's why we didn't vote for him. Nevertheless, because we do the Electoral College, technically 
he has the office. Now, that doesn't even get into the question, did the Russians even help him with Wisconsin or Michigan, which gave him the Electoral College. That issue aside. But even if we recognize that he's the worst, the most disliked, uh, the most bigoted, incompetent president America's ever had, we still see that he holds on to 40% of the vote. Now, Hillary Clinton got in trouble because she called these people deplorable. Uh, and that's unfair. Uh, maybe what they did, we can make a judgment that it was deplorable, but the people themselves aren't deplorable, at least most of them aren't. Uh, but who are these people? And they don't all, let's call them Trumpists, people that are just gonna vote for Donald Trump no matter how much the evidence is that no one would raise their child to be like Donald Trump. No one honestly believes he's a wonderful human being, a great role model, a great representative of our country, the most brilliant man we've ever seen, the most fair, uh, non-bigoted man we've ever seen. Of course not. But 40% hold on. I would argue it's not one group. I see three different groups of people that vote for Donald Trump despite everything else that is going on. The first group I'll just call Republicans, people that just their whole life, they've always voted Republicans. Their parents have always voted for Republicans. Their grandparents hated Franklin Roosevelt. They always voted Republican. In other words, it's just in their DNA. And yeah, they're embarrassed with Trump and oh my gosh, but they're Republicans. So on election day, they go to the poll and vote Republican and just hope for the best. And let's face it, there are people on the Democratic side that do that. They will always vote Democrat. And we hear it when we go to the dinners, by God, you know, we just, you know, we're having singers here from Kentucky and uh, I remember Mickey telling me that her dad, uh, you know, grew up in a time, in fact, when Mickey first went to vote, uh, when she was uh, 21. Back then, you had to be 21 to vote. Well, no, actually, in Kentucky, was the, Kentucky and Georgia were the two states. She only had to be 18. So she was 18, and she went for the first time to vote, and her dad said, all you do there is pull, pull the one lever. Uh, because the way they, the voting machines were in Kentucky, you pulled the Democratic lever and automatically every Democrat on the ballot was elected. I mean, was, you know, registered as a vote. So that's how they used to vote. So there's Democrats, Republicans. So there's one group that will always vote for Trump simply because he's the Republican standard bearer. That's group one. Group two are people whose primary decision in voting is, you could say, selfish, is very personal, but it's based on, it's the very wealthy where the tax laws are going to benefit them, and more importantly, the deregulation of the businesses that they own and run. So if you deregulate their business, whether it's coal, whether whatever it is, if you're going to deregulate it, if it's the banks or whatever, that's what they want. That's their big issue. And 
with a Republican president and with Trump, you're more likely to get deregulation. You're more likely to get lower taxes for the very rich. And so that's their issue. They don't, they don't, want, they don't talk about social issues. They're not interested in the intricacies of anything else. It's just the bottom line in my business and the bottom line in my taxes, it's better if the Republican, if, if Trump wins. So that's the second group. We're not going to change them because Democrats aren't going to come in and suddenly uh, keep, you know, not raise taxes on rich people. So that's another group we're not going to change. And the final group is, you know, perhaps the most despicable, and that's, you know, the, well, part of it are the racists, flat out. Uh, but the others are in that group are, they're culturally going to vote for Trump because they're tired. They're tired of the focus since the 1960s, from their view, of seeing the whole, whole focus of government being towards minorities. Uh, rights for the workers, rights for the African Americans, rights for the Hispanics, rights for the poor, rights for gays. In other words, any minority uh, or disenfranchised group why is everyone, why all these laws for that? Why do we have to, I don't want my dollars going to their public housing. I don't live there. I, I don't want any of that. It's, they have seen two things in their lifetime, which it's been building up. They just hate these other people. Their group is white, Protestant, Christian, that's their group. That's the neighborhoods they live in, the states they live in. Every, isn't it interesting that the, the states that are most against immigration are the states that have the least number of African Americans or Hispanics? They're lily white states, and they're the ones that are afraid of, you know, anyone that lives around people of different religions and cultures, that's fine. The people that hate these groups and say, oh, this is going to be horrible, they don't even live around them. But two things happened in the late 90s. These organizations that have been white supremacists or culturally really right-wing, all of a sudden the reports were coming out that in the next 30 years, whites are going to be the minority in America. That was the first thing which gave them a reason to start mobilizing. They started to say, hey, America's getting away from us. It was about 1998 that these reports came out. And so these white supremacist groups, these right-wing Christian groups um, that were afraid of the multiculturalism of America, afraid of all this liberalism, afraid of gay marriage, all these things, oh my gosh, this was getting to be what America's moving towards. And then the second issue was 2008, Obama's elected president. That was the wake-up call where now these right-wing groups could be much more in the open saying, see what happens? One of them is president. And you could sense it in going to communities, particularly in the South, Obama, you know, they even called health care Obamacare, you know. Uh, so those are, that's the third group of people 
that will always vote for Trump. It doesn't matter. You could catch him with 55 women, 55 children. It doesn't matter what he does. They will do anything to stop. They believe that as crass as he is, he's on their side in terms of stopping this drift of America to multiculturalism, to liberalism, to open borders, the whole bit. So those 40% were never going to change. So what's the good news? The good news is it's only 40%, which means, as happened in 2018, we have the ability to let the majority of Americans speak and win. But that means we have to come out and vote. There are more Democrats than Republicans. We just have to make sure they come out and vote. Because whenever we get a large turnout, Democrats win. No exceptions to that. Most people are left of center. No matter what the speeches are, no matter what the headlines are, most people are left of center in how they live their lives. Most people are offended by the idea of ripping children away from their parents at the border. Okay? You can't talk to someone, you know, unless they're really or way out crazy and say, well, yeah, that's nice what we're doing. It's, a sh it's embarrassing. So, now we come to our primaries. Now we come to the debates. And the division in the Democratic Party as we start out in this coming election year is the Democratic Party moving too far to the left. Well, remember, we have to get out the Democratic vote. If the vote comes out, we win because there are only 40% that are the Trumpists. How do we get them out? Well, in order to get people really to come out, they got to feel it. It's got to be religion to them. They have to be inspired. They have to be active. And the result is the people that have the most energy are the young liberals in the party. They're the ones that have the energy that will work the polls, that will work the neighborhoods, that will get the vote out, that will get the rallies going. They're the workers. They're the worker bees of the party. The left is where we get the energy. Now, the dilemma the Democratic Party faces is as long as the issue is Trump, we win. But if in our drift to the left and our liberalism... If we create fear from middle America that all of a sudden there's another issue that they're going to vote on and not Trump, then we're in trouble. So what I'm suggesting, from my personal point of view, is this. I love everything on the liberal agenda, and I think almost everything on the liberal agenda most Americans will buy, and it will not detract It'll have the energy of getting our vote out, and it won't detract, it won't stop Trump from being the issue, except one thing. The one issue I think that could blow it for us is the part of Medicare for all that isn't, that makes people, forces people to give up the insurance they now have and doesn't guarantee that they can have their own doctors. Because that isn't a philosophical issue. To most people, 
They have built up a relationship with their own doctors. You know, they've had the doctors since they were kids or whatever, and they know the whole family, and it's the comfort. You know, when you go to see a doctor, if there's a good relationship with you and the doctor, you just feel comfortable when you leave. People don't want to give up because they'll say, yeah, I've got my issues in politics, but if you're talking about taking away my doctor, that's going to be more important to them than getting rid of Trump. That is... That's a reality. So I'm suggesting keep the liberal platform we have regarding immigration, regarding Medicare as an option for everyone. It's going to be more expensive. If you don't make it compulsory, it'll be more expensive. But give people the option of keeping their own doctors or of going on Medicare if they can't afford their own doctors. If we just make that, quote, compromise, not scaring people off, we will wind up with Trump being the only issue in this election. And if Trump is the only issue in this election, we win. to bring our musical guests uh, back up. We've got the Wine Tree. They were here on the podcast yeah. last time. Yeah. Comprised of uh, Ryan Harvey and Isaiah Mueller. Is it Mueller or Mueller? Oh, uh, Mueller. Mueller, okay. You might know my uncle. I loved your report. Yeah, you might, you might know my Uncle Bob from a uh, previous podcast. This guy's... <laughs> Well, thank you guys for coming back. We, uh, we, loved, yeah. we loved the last song that you shared with us and would love to hear another one. Thanks. Yeah, let's do it. Ready?
you don't go guys that was beautiful Thanks. <laughs> i love the um the subject that you guys pick you know about writing it's just so beautiful it's very poetic <laughs> and you know i i read somewhere online that um someone mentioned that your music it was a little snippet but they said that uh, your music sounded like falling in love and I love that one. I think yeah. it's, I mean, well, I think nice. it's pretty oh, applicable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that line, clouds like ghosts in the Carrollton sky, Carrollton, Kentucky, yeah. on the banks yeah. of the Ohio. Right. Because yeah. I, right. yeah, that's, again, I complimented this last Because you were raised in the hollers. <laughs> yeah, I was raised in the hollers of uh, urban Cincinnati. Yeah, anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, Good writing, and, and it's you. Uh, you know all those little images of skipping stones and our you know archives, all those references to rural life in Kentucky. Did you guys grow up, both of you, in? I know you're from Winchester now. Yeah, you grew up um, in Winchester area. No, I grew up in Hazard in okay. Eastern Kentucky. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and I lived there 
until I was about seven or eight and moved to Carrollton. So mm. that's where my grandparents lived. That's where my parents live now. And they had a house right on the river. So we would watch the boats and we'd... And 112 um, steps or whatever. Yeah, I don't know if it's exactly that yeah, many but, steps, yeah. but it's a lot of steps. But you can but see that's good yeah, writing. Yeah, and you can yeah. picture mm -hmm. that walkway from mm -hmm. the house down to the riverbank mm -hmm. with steps and uh, it's good writing. Love it. Thank you guys. Um, can we hear your music somewhere online and let the listeners know, please? Yeah, you can, absolutely. Uh, the Wine Tree, um, you can find us on Instagram, uh, Facebook, obviously, on there. How do you uh, find Facebook? You know, just look for the... You unflip your phone. The, <laughs> Step one, unflip your yeah. phone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Again, he doesn't remember. We're an audio podcast. But Jerry oh, just Gene, took out of his pocket. I think they heard that. I think they heard yeah. it unflip. But every time we show someone this, the look is—it was classic. You yeah. really were stumped. <laughs> I was. Yeah. I wish we I could was. take a picture of it, but your phone doesn't have a camera. It's a beautiful flip phone. Yeah. It is. It's a nice flip yes. phone. Yeah. I think I need one of those too to cut down on the distractions of of everything but yeah you can find us on Bandcamp. also we have a cool. an older album that we recorded just uh at home on our yeah. own and sounds and good that album sounds awesome you guys should check it out it sounds just like what we heard right here which oh, is man. really good stuff um, really talented thank you yeah. i also wanted to mention you guys are recording a new album right we are will yeah, you guys are. tell us a little bit about that um yeah i mean we're pretty much done with it we're we're uh, we've been recording it up here in cincinnati um, with the fellow that you record yeah. your album with, Rob Fugate. Rob, Fugate. Rob. Yeah. and uh, he's great, um, such a good guy, and uh, we've we've really enjoyed our time working with him. And also Casey Campbell is working with us on that too. Oh, yeah. I think you guys yeah. know him. We all know so, Casey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's been fun, and it's pretty much wrapped up, other than just the mixing and and all the stuff that goes after that. So, nice. Yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> Do can we expect that uh, anytime soon, or you guys have a release? It shouldn't date? be long. We don't have a release date, but I'd say yeah. in uh, maybe in a few months, probably. Yeah, yeah nice. a couple of falls. Awesome. When there's fall. a release date, is there like a party or? Yeah, you're invited, Jerry. You're, yeah. you're MC in it. All of a sudden, we just started. I just want to know if there's a party. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> we, we, we'd love to have a party. We'd love to have a party for it. But we know there'll be wine yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. There'll be wine. <laughs> we can fire shotguns up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so now we're talking shotguns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Will you guys take us out on uh, Down by the Riverside? Of course. Absolutely. Listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Foolery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. Whoa,